delightful part of sleep, the most delightful moment of the day. Thanks to the radio, I can savor drowsing and waking, that marvelous swinging between wakefulness and sleep, which in itself is enough to keep us from regretting our birth. Am I dreaming, or am I really at the opera hearing two tenors in nightly costume singing about the weather? Why are they not singing about love? Then I realize that they are announcers. They stop singing and interrupt each other playfully. It's going to be a hot, muggy day with possible thunderstorms, says the first, and the second chimes in flirtatiously. Really? And the first voice answers equally flirtatiously. May we? Oh, pardon me, Bernard, but that's the way it is. We'll just have to put up with it. Bernard laughs loudly and says, We're being punished for our sins. And the first voice, Bernard, why should I have to suffer for your sins? At that point, Bernard laughs even harder in order to make it clear to all listeners just what kind of sin is involved, and I understand him. This is the one deep yearning of our lives, to let everybody consider us great sinners. Let our vices be compared to thunderstorms, tornadoes, hurricanes. When Frenchmen open their umbrellas later in the day, let them remember Bernard's ambiguous laugh with envy. I tune into another station because I feel sleep coming on again, and I want to invite into my dream some more interesting visions. On the neighboring station, a female voice announces that it is going to be a hot, muggy day, with possible thunderstorms, and I'm glad that we have so many radio stations in France, and that at precisely the same time they all say the same thing about the same things. A harmonious combination of uniformity and freedom. What more could mankind ask? And so I turned the dial back to where a moment ago Bernard was boasting about his sins, but instead of him I hear another voice singing about some new Renault. So I turn the dial and hear a choir of women's voices celebrating a sale of furs. I turn back to Bernard's station, catch the last two measures of a hymn to the Renault, followed immediately by the voice of Bernard himself. In a sing-song that imitates the fading melody, he announces the publication of a new biography of Ernest Hemingway, the 127th, yet this time a truly significant one, because it discloses that throughout his entire life Hemingway never spoke one single word of truth. He exaggerated the number of wounds he had suffered in the First World War, and he pretended to be a great seducer, even though it was proved that in August 1944, and then again from July 1959 onward, he had been completely impotent. Oh, really? laughs the other voice, and Bernard answers flirtatiously, May we? And once again all of us find ourselves on the operatic stage, along with the impotent Hemingway, and then suddenly some very grave voice comes on to discuss the trial that has been engrossing France for several weeks. In the course of a completely minor operation, a young woman died, because of a carelessly administered anesthetic. In this connection, an organization formed to protect people it called Consumers submitted a proposal that in future all surgical operations be filmed, and the films filed away. Only in this way 
maintains the Consumer Protection Association, is it possible to guarantee that any Frenchman or Frenchwoman who dies on the operating table will be suitably avenged by the courts? Then I fall asleep again. When I wake up at almost 8.30, I try to picture Agnès. She is lying, like me, in a wide bed. The right side of the bed is empty. Who could her husband be? Clearly somebody who leaves the house early on Saturday mornings. That's why she is alone, sweetly swinging between waking and sleeping. Then she gets up. Facing her is a TV set, standing on one long stork-like leg. She throws her nightgown over the tube, like a white tasseled theatre curtain. She stands close to the bed, and for the first time I see her naked. Agnès, the heroine of my novel. I can't take my eyes off this beautiful woman.